Alright, so Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit. Through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is a promise of the resurrection. In this promise, it talks about how Jesus has risen from the dead. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus has been risen from the dead, dwells in you, you will undergo a resurrection as well. Now, sometimes it's hard for people to really embrace this. You know, how can this be? You know, I'm a scientist. I mean, how are you going to raise up people? Well, let's, let's look at a few different verses here. Paul says in Acts 26, verse 8, Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Think about that. Why is it considered incredible among you people, if God does raise the dead. You know, if He's God and He can create the universe, a resurrection would be pretty easy. Really should be. I mean, when you're creating everything ab initio from the beginning with, from nothing, why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So Paul, Paul says this, and he says, you know, why do you think it should be hard that God can raise the dead? And it's not just Jesus, it's all the believers. It's all the believers. So let's look at a few verses here. John eleven twenty five. Jesus substantiates this. He says, John eleven John eleven twenty five, he says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said, said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He said to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. So if a person believes in Jesus, he's going to live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So then he goes on further. And he says, if you believe in me, you're never going to die. You're never going to die. Now he's saying that you will forever be with him. The flesh may die, but that will be raised up again. Because he's going to live even if he dies. There is a promise here. That when our physical body dies, we immediately, in the spirit, go to be with him. When our physical body dies, we immediately, in the spirit, go to be with him. He will resurrect one day our mortal bodies. How do we know? The scriptures tell us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, 14, and 16. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Now, this word asleep doesn't mean asleep like you and I use. When the New Testament uses the word asleep, it means for those who have died knowing God. Jesus said of, of, of the young girl, uh, um, he said, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And then he raised her up again. She was very much knowing the Lord. He said of Lazarus, he said it, the first time he said, he said, he's asleep. And, and so his disciples said, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. And he goes, Jesus said, well, he's dead. He's dead. So asleep is the code word for dead in the New Testament for those who know God because they are going to be resurrected again. 
So he says, but I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So what he says is that, is that, uh, uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. This is why it's so critical to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans 10.9 it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. It speaks with high specificity two things. You will be saved if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. And that's not a magical thing. The truth of the resurrection is already in your heart. It's already there because it would be too incredible of a thing for God to expect us to believe in a physical resurrection of Jesus Christ if he had not already placed that truth upon our hearts. How can it happen? that an educated person would believe in a physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I see it all the time. All the time it happens to me. I saw it twice this week with educated people. One of them was a PhD chemist. And the other one, I, I know she had her bachelor's degree, and I don't know what her advanced degree is in. But both of them, they go from not believing in the physical resurrection to believing in the physical resurrection in a 30-minute conversation. How do you explain that happening? One of them is more of a scientist than the vast majority of you out there. How did he go from not believing to believing? And you say, well, he grew up with it. He did not, because I checked with him. It's because the truth of the resurrection is already there. This is what we're talking about. And this is why he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. There will be a resurrection. This is the dead in Christ. These are those who knew Jesus like us. The dead in Christ. This is not the Old Testament saints. There's, there's another resurrection for them. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. This is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13, 14, and 19. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith also is in vain. For if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. If there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. There's no substance to it if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we have all men most to be pitied. Clearly, he says... If there's no resurrection of, de of the dead, he means of the saints, of the believers. Not even Christ has been raised. As sure as Jesus has risen from the dead, believers shall rise from the dead. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Not all will sleep. Remember the code word. That means not all who are, are, are believers in Christ are going to sleep, are going to die. But we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And then the Bible goes on, it says, after the dead are raised, then those who are still alive when the Lord returns, they too will be raised up and they will meet together in the air with those who have died in Christ. Meet together in the air. That's what's, so he says, I tell you mystery, not, we, we will not all sleep. So not everybody is going to die. There is going to be a rapture. There is going to be a resurrection. And, and the, those who are dead in Christ will rise first. This is what he's saying. Then he goes on in verse, of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 35 through 38. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool! That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Now, Paul lived in another generation. He wasn't woke. He doesn't, he didn't know that you shouldn't say things like this. And, 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 uh, um, and he said it much more forcefully than I would have, because I thought it's not a bad question. But some may say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body are they going to come? His response is, you fool. I feel like hiding. Because I thought it was a reasonable question. How are the dead going to be raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You know, it's sort of ghostly and translucent. You see through it. That's not how Jesus was raised. When Jesus was raised, he said, come, feel me. See, I have flesh and bones. You know, they probably thought they could kind of stick their hand right through them. No, it didn't go. He called Thomas and he says, Thomas, stick your finger into the holes in my hands. Because Thomas said, I won't believe unless I do this. And then Thomas said, I won't believe unless I stick my hand into the hole in his side. Because when Jesus was up on the cross, they stuck a big spear into his side. And remember, Roman soldiers know how to kill people with a spear. You give me a spear, I don't know how to kill. I'm sure I've figured it out. But they were trained in it. If a person's trained, it's totally different. If a person is trained in something, they always win. They would stick in this spear, they turn it 90 degrees and pull out. Big gaping hole. This could not have been an imposter because he's walking around with a big hole. So much, so big that Thomas is invited to stick his hand into the hole in Jesus' side. And when Thomas does that, he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus was flesh and blood. And then Jesus ate in front of them. He says, you got something here to eat? And he says, spirits don't eat. I ask you, has anyone here ever seen a spirit eat? No, nobody, because spirits don't eat. Jesus said, spirits don't eat. Jesus ate in front of them. So with what kind of body? A fleshly body with bones is how they are going to raise up. With skin and bones is how they will be raised up. All right. Acts 26, 22 through 28. I'm showing this because it shows clearly 
that Paul used this in preaching. I cannot preach the gospel and bring people to the Lord without preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't have to believe in the resurrection of the body of, of, of all saints. They only have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be saved. So Paul, in his defense, said, So, having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying to both small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get a person saved. You can share your testimony all day without bringing them around to the resurrection. You're going to be powerless. You want to know why you don't lead many people to the Lord? Because you try to skip the resurrection because you think that would be too hard for them. That's the key. That's the heart of, the re- of, of, of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning has driven you mad. And that's what some people will say. He's talking about the resurrection, they're going to say you're crazy. Did it phase Paul? No, he said, but Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter, utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. Who are the prophets? Look up in verse 20, in verse 22, the end of it. The prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light to both the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And that's why he said to Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? What I just said, the prophets were proclaiming the resurrection. He says, I know that you do. How can he say that? It's just like when I preach the gospel to people. If they have reached out to me that they want to hear And I'll ask them, would you like to hear about how I became a person of faith? Yeah, I'd like to hear that. That's exactly what happened to this PhD chemist this week. He said, as soon as he said, yeah, I want to hear that, I knew that the truth of the resurrection was in his heart. And he was going to, within minutes, he was going to be giving his life to the Lord. And he did. Because as soon as he saw in Agrippa that Agrippa was grasped by this, he knew that the truth of the resurrection was already there in his heart. He says, I know that you do. All right, how can God resurrect bodies that are fully decomposed or burned to CO2 and water or eaten by microbes? The molecules with which I might be reconstructed would no longer exist. You know, all my proteins are gone, all the, all the DNA is gone. I mean, it's all a bunch of CO2 and water. It's been cremated. We're going to have a chemistry lesson today. And thank God for it. And if you've had trouble with chemistry in the past, trouble yourself no more. We will take care of that today. You'll see how wonderful this is. So, how do, what, what happens if microorganisms, you know, they, 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 they chew up this body in the ground? You know, and, and then they, they, they digest all this and, it, and they convert it into CO2 and water. I mean, how, how does this happen? And, how, how could this be reconstructed? Can God really do that? Well, water is not simply singular atom types. So, hydrogen can have 
can be H1, H2, 1H, 2H, or 3H, meaning it can have uh, one proton, or it can have one proton and one neutron to be 2H, or it can have one proton and two neutrons, be 3H, and that's hydrogen, deuterium, and tritium, respectively. All right? So hydrogen can exist in three common forms. A hydrogen atom can have three forms, hydrogen, deuterium, or tritium. Oxygen can have three forms, oxygen 16, 17, or 18, by varying the number of neutrons. Oxygen 16 is the most common, but 17 and 18 surely exist, as do deuterium and tritium. Tritium forms due to cosmic radiation, uh, uh, add, adding in neutrons, and then when it decomposes, it goes into helium. But anyway, there are 18 naturally occurring structures of water that are clearly different. You have H2O, where, o, e, where oxygen is 16, and both of those hydrogens are, 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 are uh, high, one, one H. And then you can have one deuterium, you can have one tritium, you can have two deuteriums, deuterium or tritium, and tritium and tritium on oxygen 16. You can have the same thing on oxygen 17, the same thing on oxygen 18. So water has 18 different forms. Well, which one is water? Well, they're all water. But they're not precisely all the same. There's a different number of neutrons there from the different number of atoms. I am showing you something that's called the same and not the same. Yes, the reactivity can be extremely similar. It's not identical between all of those because there's something called the hydrogen isotope effect, which can change the reactivity by, by uh, a factor of five to seven, the primary isotope effect, due to, to raising the, the, the atomic weight of an atom. But there's, just for water, there's 18 different structures. You see, if, if he raises me up and I'm not the same molecules, I'm not the same anymore. I am who I am. You know, I got these molecules. This is me. Oh, really? That's you? That's you? You really think that's you? Okay. Let's think about that. Proton transfers. Exchanges occurring millions of times per second at every OH and NH site. And I left out a bracket because I was preparing this really quickly this morning. But let me explain this to you. Here is a red carbon group and a red hydrogen mixing with a black carbon group and a black hydrogen. They have swapped protons. Pro protons, hydrogen atoms on oxygen and nitrogen are exchanging millions of times, millions of times per second on every molecule in your body. Every molecule in your body that has an OH or an NH, and I'm telling you, that's every molecule in your body. Practically, because there's, there's, there's very little hydrocarbon in us, where it's pure, strictly saturated hydrocarbon. Every molecule has an OH or an NH that's of any biological relevance. It's exchanging Millions of times per second exchanging out protons. So which one is the real one? Is it this one or is it this one? You blink your eye, it's changed. Every molecule in your body is changing millions of times per second. Because one hydrogen comes off and another hydrogen comes on. You say, well, it's equivalent. It's equivalent, but it's not the same. It's got a different hydrogen. And remember, that hydrogen can be of three different isotopes. Hopefully you don't have too much tritium in you, but there's certainly hydrogen and deuterium there. So you're never the same as you were a moment ago. You're constantly changing at the molecular level. And you might argue that molecules are chemically equivalent, so it doesn't matter. Well, they are equivalent to some extent, but not totally. 
Because if you have deuterium on there, the reactivity has changed. And we'll show you even more differences, but let's look at something else. Porsche 911 Turbo, yellow. The same, sort of, but not to the molecular level. This is, this is two different Porsche 911 Turbos that are yellow. Are they the same? Yeah, they're the same car. But they're not the same. I mean, one you own and the other somebody else owns. Are they exactly the same? Are you telling me if you, if you looked at one detail on here, it wouldn't be a fraction of a millimeter different than on here? No, certainly it would be. And surely at the molecular level, they're not exactly the same. There's more paint molecules on this door than there is on this door. By a few, at least. They're not exactly the same. But they're functionally the same. They're functionally the same. But they're not exactly the same. I mean, this one might blow a piston and this one might not. It's the same with molecules. And it's constantly changing. So you say, well, if... God has to construct me out of the exact same molecules that I have. Which molecules? The ones you have now or the one you had a second ago? Because the molecules are changing. One guy came up to me because I had said, every molecule in your body is changing. He says, your teeth don't change. They're the same. I said, oh, really? Let's look on the internet. Boom, instantly it comes up. Teeth are constantly dissolving and re-precipitating. There's constant dissolution and re-precipitation. Constantly. And so... The, 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 the molecular arrangement at the molecular scale is always going to be varying slightly on the surface of the teeth. They're constantly changing. Every molecule in your body is constantly changing. Isn't that interesting? It's constantly changing. You're not the same person you were when you walked in here today. You're different. There's hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is not H2O. It's carbon, 2,932 carbons in it. 4,724 hydrogens, 828 nitrogens, 840 oxygens, 8 sulfurs, and 4 irons. That's hemoglobin. Each one of those dots, each one of those dots is an atom. Carbon can be carbon-12, carbon-13, or carbon-14. Hydrogen we saw can be hydrogen-1, 2, or 3. Nitrogen has three forms. Oxygen has three forms. I think sulfur has four forms. Iron probably has four forms. And their placement differs. It is highly unlikely that you have two hemoglobin molecules in your body that are identical. Because one you have a C13 here, another you have a C13 there. There's not two identical hemoglobin body molecules in your body when you get down to the atomic level. Functionally, they're going to do the same thing. Atomic level, they're different. God is able to reconstruct you with atoms just like he did the first time. No problem for him. No problem. It even gets a little more complex. Because each one of these atoms can have a spin if it has an odd mass nuclei. Those that have having an odd number of nucleons have a fractional spin. So hydrogen 1, carbon 13, fluorine 19, each one of those has a spin. So hydrogen can be spin up or spin down. So when you get a proton exchange, you say, okay, they both swapped out hydrogen one. Yeah, but did it come with a spin up or a spin down? 50% are spin up, 50% are spin down. Or you can have an even mass nuclei composed of an odd number of protons and neutrons, something like deuterium or nitrogen 14. Those can have a spin. So lots of atoms have spins. And spins are going to be different. 
And every time you exchange a proton, the spin is changing. Our bodies are amazing. Molecular structure is amazing. So you think you're static, you're not. At the molecular level, the molecules are always changing. You're never the same anyway. Every molecule is swapping out millions of times a second. Okay, you're never the same one moment to the next, even at the nanosecond time scale. You're never the same. So how's he going to make me? Well, it's easy for him to make you. Are the, are the atoms going to be the same? I don't know. I mean, it could do that. He could call a CO2 molecule from the other side of the earth to come back and reconstruct you. But don't you see that the atoms that made you up on the day that you died are shared atoms that made up other people on the days that they die? We share atoms between us in our molecules. You, know, you, you drink water, and, and uh, that water becomes a part of your body. Well, where did that water come from? Well, it came from, you know, that water was emitted by somebody else. It's constantly exchanging. These atoms are all shared. The atoms are all shared on this planet. And so, God can make this no problem. No problem. Well, I'm a scientist. I will not believe anything that is untestable. It must be verifiable. must be testable. If it's not testable, it's not science. Okay, deal with that. The origin of life. You can test that. And it's never worked. <laughs> People have taken amino acids and, 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 and you, you take the amino acids and you just kind of leave them there and you see how, how, many, how many proteins build that could start acting as enzymes. Nothing. Nothing happens. They don't hook together. You have to have catalysts to hook them together. You have to have other enzymes to hook them together. Or you have to activate one end and protect the side chains. It's never worked. We've never created life in a laboratory. Now, people have taken a living cell that's alive already and taken a genome and put it inside that living cell and said, that's a synthetic cell. Well, you didn't make the cell. It's like taking a car and you... You took, you took a piston from another car and you put it in that car. I made that car. No, you didn't. You took a piston out of an existing car and put it into an existing car. You didn't make anything. Test that. And this is life, which is ubiquitous. It's all around us, right? Life's all around us. So it's not like this, this esoteric thing of the, the, the origin of the universe. Life's all around us. Now, that's not to say that one day we won't be able to make it. But right now, we're far from ever being able to do that. Go ahead, test that. So there's so many things you can't test. Compared to these, a resurrection after three days is easy. Resurrection after three days is easy. I mean, the molecules are in Jesus are pretty much all there. You know, they just buried them. They're pretty much all there. Now the cells have died. They're not getting the oxygen. But the molecules are pretty much all there. That's easy. If you can believe in the Big Bang and that life exists, the resurrection is easy. It is not a hard thing to embrace the resurrection when you look at all the other things that science throws of us, throws at us. Many of science's grandest claims are hitherto untestable and therefore conjecture. They are unproven. Many of scientists' grand, science's grandest claims are untestable and conjecture. They're unproven.
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is something we must embrace. That Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And I'm telling you, if you are sitting in this class, if you are online, if you're online, the truth of the resurrection is already there. And you say, well, how do you know that? I know it. Or else you wouldn't be here. You would find this totally disinteresting. You would say, I'm not even going to waste my time. That you are here shows me that the truth of the resurrection is already on your heart and you are you're just burning ready to receive it. If you have not yet received the resurrection of Jesus Christ into your heart, fear not. Today is your day to receive that. Today is your day. We are going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat that after me. And the whole class here is going to repeat this prayer with me. And for those of you who are not yet saved, you're just going to be going along with the class. For those of you who are saved, you're just reciting what's already there. It's good to renew your marriage vows. It's good to review, renew these vows as well. And you're going to invite Jesus in your heart, and this day it will change. Why is it so incredible among you people that God should raise the dead? Why is it so incredible? These things are easy compared to all the other things that are science's claims. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the truth of the resurrection. And with this class, I want to say this day what we're instructed to say even in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And if you would repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that Jesus is Lord and I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I pray for this class that you would work on their hearts to see that it is not such an incredible thing that God should raise the dead. Why is it so incredible to you people that God should raise the dead? Why is it? This is a simple thing for God. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that is the basis of our faith. Such a simple thing for God. You who can create the universe in 10 to the minus 42 seconds, have this burst forth. Thank you, Lord God, for what you do. You who create life from nothing, you create life and bring it forth. Thank you, Lord God, for what you do. Father, I pray for these young people that they would take hold of your word, that they would be strong in you, that they would come to understand how wonderful and glorious Jesus is the glories of His creation, how He makes all things new over and over again, renewing us. Thank You, Lord God, for the truth of the resurrection. For those who sleep in Christ will rise also. God will call back the molecules to form all over again as He's done before. No problem for Him. Thank You, Lord God, for all Your mercies, for the glory of Jesus, and in His name, Amen.